Welcome to the Empire Builders Podcast, teaching business owners the not-so-secret techniques that took famous businesses from mom-and-pop to major brands. Stephen Semple is a marketing consultant, story collector, and storyteller. I'm Stephen's sidekick and business partner, Dave Young. Before we get into today's episode, a word from our sponsor, which is, well, it's us. But we're highlighting ads we've written and produced for our clients. So here's one of those. Rick Showers at No Bull RV has a problem. He's got a ton of RVs in his lot. That's not a problem. People drop off their quality used RVs for Rick to sell every day. That's not a problem. But the busy season is coming soon, and Rick needs just one more experienced RV salesperson to complete the team. And if the right person doesn't come along soon, that could be a problem. Because all those beautiful RVs need a good home, and a motivated sales staff is the key to a thriving business. Ain't that right, Rick? Simple as that, Bob. Maybe you know someone who would fit in here at No Bull. Someone who loves meeting new people, loves the RV business, enjoys celebrating the victories and learning from mistakes, but could use maybe a little less bull in their lives. Right, Rick? Scope's on her, Bob. Rick's got a problem. Maybe you're the solution. Come on by. We'd love to meet you. And that's no bull. No bull RV.ca. Welcome to the Empire Builders podcast. Dave Young here alongside Stephen Semple. And Stephen told me we're not going to talk about any particular business today, but we're going to talk about some trends that pretty much affect all businesses. So this is sort of a break from the usual format. And I think it's an important one. We've had a couple of these along the way. What's on your mind today, Stephen? COVID and supply chains and all this other stuff. We've seen this dramatic shift. There's been some weird stuff going on. And some of this is forever change. Some of this is temporary change. And some of it is masking what's really going on. And what I want to refer to on that is this whole mass resignation scenario and the shortage of workers that has been caused by COVID. And I want to explore this a little bit more deeply because what I believe is there's a deeper, longer term trend. Businesses and employees, we all need to be aware of. Government, government policy, businesses, employees, this is going to affect all of us. And from a business perspective, The business that figures out how to work in this environment wins long-term. That's why this is important. And I think it's being missed. And so I'm gonna take you through a little bit of a history ride here to build this case. So bear with me for a moment. If we go back to the 1950s, population in the United States was basically 160 million people. And if we look at, and I'm just using 60 to 70 as a proxy for people leaving the workforce. And I'm using 20 to 30 as a proxy for people entering the workforce. You're talking about age. Age, correct, in terms of the age of the population. And I know that's not 100% accurate, but it's a pretty good proxy. So in 1950, we had about 4% of the population leaving the workforce, and we had about almost 8% of the population entering the workforce. Mm. So demographics alone was growing our workforce. Plus, we know in the 1950s, substantial immigration. Because, for example, by 1960, the population grew by 30 million people. Now, part of that was birth rate. Part of that was immigration. Mm -hmm. But that is massive population growth growing from 150 million to 186 million. That's big growth in 10 years. Sure. And again, at that point, if you looked at it, it was about 3.5% of the population leaving the workforce. 
and over 6% of the population entering the workforce. So again, 1960s, workforce is expanding in size. Now along comes the 1970s, population has grown from 150 million to 205 million. So again, big growth due to immigration as well as birth rates. And we're facing the same thing. In the 1970s, we have about 3.5% of the world population leaving the workforce. And at this point, we have almost 8% of the population entering the workforce. The baby boomers are coming of age. Baby boomers are entering the workforce. Okay. Now we move forward to the 1980s, and that trend continues. Baby boomers are entering the workforce. We have almost 9%, a little bit over 9% of the population entering the workforce, and we've got around 4% leaving. Okay. Plus, we have another trend behind us in the 1980s. Both late 70s and through the 80s, the workforce is changing from primarily men to women entering the workforce. Okay. Again, dramatic expansion in the size of the workforce. We hit the 1990s. This trend starts to slow down a little bit. We have, again, about 4% leaving, and we've got about 8% entering. But what's starting to slow is immigration and the last of this real trend of women entering the workforce. But still, in 1990s, the workforce grows. We hit 2000. So in 2000, again, we've got about 3.5% of the population leaving the workforce. We've got about 7% entering, right? But here's the interesting thing is, we're getting kind of the end of the baby boomers pushing into the workforce, right? Because when we hit 2010, we still have 7% population entering the workforce, and we have about 3.5% leaving. Still workforce is growing, 2010. But here's where things get really interesting. We hit 2020. For the first time in 70 years, the amount of people due to demographics leaving the workforce and entering the workforce is balanced. Oh, wow. Okay. We've reached a tipping point. For 70 years, combination of immigration, women entering the workforce, and demographics, our workforce grew every decade. We were adding more supply of people. Yeah. All of a sudden, 2020 hits, and the world freaks out because where have all the people gone? Well, where all the people have gone is we haven't grown the workforce. We have not grown the workforce. Where did all the people go? And what makes this particularly interesting, because demographics, we can look forward 10 years, 20 years, 30 years. Guess what happens? Our workforce starts to dramatically shrink. 10 years from now, what will happen is we are going to have about over 6% of the population leaving the workforce, and we're going to have less than 6% entering the workforce. It's a tiny shrinkage, but it's a shrinkage nevertheless. If we move forward another 10 years, it gets even more pronounced. Because the other part is birth rates are really low right now. Yeah, they are. My wife and I had four kids, and I don't think any of our four kids are going to have their own kids. Well, they say you need 2.1 children per household to maintain the population, and I think we've been our birth rate is like 1.6 right now. Nobody's having these big families anymore. Correct, and we're seeing this trend in a lot of places. So the challenge is, as employers, what we've been used to being able to do is find people. It's mm-hmm. always hard finding the right person, but the supply of people 
coming into the workforce was always greater than the people leaving. And that's done. And that's done for a long time. So this whole idea of this mass resignation and, you know, when the COVID payments go away, the workforce is going to return. No, this is permanent. This challenge of finding people is absolutely permanent. And I think that that's going to create a couple of major trends. First one is we're going to see people put in automation, even if it's more expensive. Automation to date has been done to lower costs. Automation is going to be done to give capacity. We already see this in the construction business. There's these machines now that'll lay bricks automatically. And guess what? They're more expensive than hiring a bricklayer. But guess what? Companies are using them. Why? I don't have any bricklayers and I got to get this damn building finished or I don't get paid. And they don't think to just pay bricklayers more and train some more. It's let's find a machine. Well, the thing is you can train some more, but that doesn't solve my problem today. And there just are none. So yes, what you're going to have to do is steal people away from your competition, which means pay them more, treat them better. One of the conversations I find hilarious today is people saying, I'm going to bring my employees back to the office. And yet the Gallup surveys show overwhelmingly the vast majority of people don't want to. And there's companies that are taking the tack today of saying, I'm going to force them back. Guess what? Employees today have options. Absolutely, they do. So having this conversation with my accountant, and he was saying they're going to do that. And I said, be careful. There's a couple of people you're going to lose if you do that. Mm-hmm. And they backed off on it, right? Yeah. So automation is going to be put in for capability, not just price savings. Wages are absolutely going to go up. There's just, there's no way to avoid that because of supply and demand. And I actually think a significant amount of resources, time, and energy towards recruitment and retention is going to have to be done by companies. Like to the degree where I can see a future where a significant amount of companies' advertising budgets will be shifted to recruitment and retention. And the one that I find that's interesting is how many of them look at their Glassdoor reviews? Mm, and the Glassdoor mm-hmm. reviews are from former employees. Yeah. And that is going to become as important as your Google reviews. Your social media is not going to be just there to help me attract customers. My social media is going to be there so that prospective employees, because I always keep mine, this is where people go to find things out. They're going to, well, what's this place really like to work at? The yeah. social media is going to serve a huge role in our recruitment. And we're going to have to think about recruitment and retention as important an activity as marketing. In order to be an employer to do all this great stuff for employees, yes, you are going to have to be the premium priced company out there, not so that you can make the most profit, but so that you can attract and retain the best people. It is going to start becoming a dogfight over employees. Yeah, and you're going to have to do it to survive. You're going to have to do it to survive. And if you want to grow, that is going to be one of your major limiters. Like today, when people put together a growth plan, it's all about marketing. It's not about how am I going to find those seven new employees I need in order to service this. And that's going to become, in the not-too-distant future, I believe, as important a criteria as finding customers. Stay tuned. We're going to wrap up this story and tell you how to apply this lesson to your business right after this. How's business? Yeah, good. 
Why isn't it great? We we were growing 20, 30% every year for five years. Then we went flat in the last three. Growth used to be easy. Now, nothing we do seems to have the same effect anymore. If you're not growing, you're dying, and I can't stand to think we've hit the top and are coming back down. So you build a hell of a castle and you're worried. Maybe it's time to build an empire. Huh? What you got here won't get you to where you want to go. You need a fresh perspective. There's these guys that are looking for business owners just like you. Smart, customer-focused, but with flat sales. What do they do? Build empires, but they don't work with just anyone. You have to be customer-focused. So what exactly do they do? Some say they're marketers, but I call them crusaders. Check out their website at empirebuilderprogram.com. Like what you see, set up a meeting. Crusaders, empires, castles. I think someone's been getting so old they're medieval. Empirebuilderprogram.com. Check it out before you become a dinosaur. You mean dragon. No, I mean dinosaur. They were good too, for a while. Sure you want to be just good? Empirebuilderprogram.com. Let's pick up our story where we left off, and trust me, you haven't missed a thing. Where should a business start? I think the low-hanging fruit to start with is actually looking at their social media. If you're a plumber, for example, it's really hard as a plumber or HVAC company or one of these businesses to do interesting social media that's going to attract customers. Right. It's hard. You can do it. We've got some customers who've run some really cool, fun social media campaigns, but it's tough, right? Social media can absolutely help them show the environment of what it's like to work there, provided it is a good place to work there. The other thing is you gotta start becoming honest. Have you actually created a good supportive environment to work? And you can convey some of that in your social media. You can show the company party, you can have happy employees talking about the place and all of this other stuff. But I think social media can actually give somebody who's contemplating working for your company a bit of a glimpse inside of what it's like to work there. What social media can't do is if you're running a lousy place to work, this social media strategy is not going to work for you because people will be honest in social media. People will say things that you'll say, well, that's not really fair. You're being mean to us. Like, well, dude, you're not a good employer. Right. It's a toxic work environment. Amplifying a toxic work environment with social media is like running good ads for a restaurant known for bad food, right? It'll speed up your demise. To me, step one is, man, get better at running a place that people love to work. You're absolutely right, David. And that's the reason why I love having these conversations with you. You know, I am making the bold assumption that you've got this great place to work. You've already got a great place to work, yeah. (laughs) And that's the wrong assumption. And the other thing you have to stop doing as an owner, because I hear this all the time, because I have tons of conversations with people in business and owners in various industries. Stop bitching and moaning and whining and complaining that you can't find people. And stop blaming it on a pile of crap that's not true. This is the reality of the world we're in. This is the reality of the world we're going to be in in the next 30 years. So as a business leader, this is your challenge to figure out, not bitch about, moan about, and look to somebody else to fix it. Because Mm -hmm. the businesses that solve this problem and become good places to work and good at recruiting and good at carrying that message out there, frankly, are the ones that are going to win. This is how you win. You win by solving this problem, not moaning about it. There's no sense bucking the trend, right? That's not happening. These are real numbers. This is going on. You've got to start to deal with it. 
Yeah, we can't all of a sudden um, create 30-year-olds. No, you also can't import them via immigration in the current political climate. And the other interesting point on that is, as we've seen the traditional areas that we've had immigration, as economic prosperity has come to those places, immigration levels have also tailed down. Look, we do not have the same number of people coming from Ireland as we used to. Now, my parents immigrated yeah. from Ireland. Why? Because Ireland's got economic prosperity. Former Eastern Bloc countries, Poland, Czechoslovakia, which Toronto has huge population of, we're not getting as many. Why? Because those countries are doing better. One reason they're doing better is because we outsourced a lot of our production to those countries. Right. I think about Mexico has become a better place to live for workers because we're building cars and air conditioners and all kinds of things in Mexico to bring here. They don't need to immigrate now. Here's the other part of all of this. Even if we started doing large amounts of immigration, we were doing large amounts of immigration before as well as having demographics growing our workforce. So even a large amount of immigration may just get us to flat. Yeah, if that. If yeah. that. There's a challenge out there for employers. There's an opportunity out there for employees. And there's a policy challenge when it comes to government programs because of the fact that our workforce is shrinking, but this is what's going on and it ain't gonna change. For the sake of your business, raging against this, you know, raising your fists in the air and screaming about it isn't gonna help. Be Correct. for what is and adapt and develop your business into a great place to work and figure out the finances to be a great place to work from the viewpoint of salaries. You're gonna do fine. You're gonna do just fine. This is your opportunity to win. Companies that figure this out and do a good job on this, win. Thanks for listening to the podcast. Please share us, subscribe on your favorite podcast app, and leave us a big, fat, juicy five-star rating and review. And if you have any questions about this or any other podcast episode, email to questions at the Empire Builders Podcast.com. <laughs>